0: Good morning. Uh, welcome back to our Monday Morning Talks. I'm here with Mark this morning, and today we're talking about the man who was born blind. Yesterday, our sermon was in John chapter 9. It's pretty much the whole chapter. Yeah. Um, this story of the man who was born blind. Um, Jesus runs into him outside the temple gate with his disciples, and, uh, and ultimately he heals him. There's a lot of conversation with the religious leaders. Hopefully you can watch or listen to the sermon from yesterday and have some more information on that, but we'll just kind of dig right in. Like what observations,
1: questions, things did you see yesterday, Mark? I, uh, I love the sermon and I think the setup from previous festival and the torches and Jesus talking about the light of the world. And then we go into this, uh, Situation where the man born blind is healed, and I thought what you talked about with the eye doctor and what this miracle really meant was really eye opening. <laughs> uh, and anyway, just you're so good at puns, yeah. By the way, <laughs> how much of a miracle! <laughs> how much a of a guy. yeah, <laughs> it's just an amazing miracle. I mean, sometimes I think we read about these miracles, oh, yeah, Jesus did another miracle, but uh, uh. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more. Honestly,
0: I didn't really even plan to like talk much about that, um, going into yesterday, but like I had said in the sermon, I have a friend who I've actually become friends with through sports card collecting and he comes down and, uh, he's a retired eye doctor and he was here Thursday. My sermon was done. Um, but I just thought, Hey, i preaching on a guy that was born blind and he's healed. And I'm sitting here with a retired eye doctor. Like, what does he think about this? And so I didn't really get into like the scripture or anything with him, but I really just kind of wanted to know, like, you know, how big a deal really is that? And it is. is it? And, and I do like the fact that we were able to emphasize through that conversation that just like, gosh, these miracles are not commonplace. Yeah. This was not something that just, I love the quote. I read it to you earlier. Um, you know, like whether it's a figure of speech or, or whatever, um, but the, the man born blind, he yeah. actually says uh, with his own words, and I'm trying to find the exact verse where he said it, but you know, he just said, you know, never it's verse 32. Yeah. yeah. Never since the world began. Has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind? Someone born blind. Yeah, like
1: that's a pretty
0: yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty serious statement there. Never in the entire world ever, yeah, has this happened. Like Jesus just did a big deal thing, and even like you said, I mean, a couple chapters later, they're still kind of it refers reeling back to and talking about this event happening. So one of the guys I was reading, um, as I was studying, he actually said that a lot of theologians, a lot of scholars think this is like the central story of the book of John, even, uh, in, in the movement of John's gospel, like this is it.
1: So, Hmm. They see John as a chiastic thing. Is that where, I don't know. I want to get that from. That'd be interesting to look into. So, uh, Anyway, the the miracle stuff, uh, I think sometimes we underestimate. I mean, I think we think "Eh, they were just country country bumpkins back then. They're naive and all that. No, there's a lot of... You know, non-belief, skepticism sure. about that, and the, the resurrection too. You know,
0: I, I didn't. I didn't want to joke. I didn't want to make light of essential oils or anything like that necessarily. <laughs> but, but but I did. But I did just want to point out that it's just no. like, hey, you. If you are thinking about trying to explain this miracle away, right? You might as well forget yeah. it. Like, yeah. there's nothing there. I mean, this is yeah. this is miraculous.
1: So. That's good. You made a pretty strong statement, and I've actually had to think about this. If your life is not changed, essentially is what you said, you're probably not following Jesus, you know? Yeah. And I think I agree with that. But I think there's some theology today that uh, all you have to do is believe Jesus, and that's all it takes. Right. So I don't know. I
0: felt like yesterday's sermon, really, I, I kind of, I kind of, emphasized that direction, you know, cause with this series, the whole series is about change. The whole series is about life change, right. but I think we, I think we tend to, we, you know, we emphasize different parts of change. We emphasize, right. emphasize different changes in our lives. And I think sometimes as Christians, we make the mistake of, of emphasizing conversion as an event, yeah, and then instead of a process. underemphasizing the change that continues, you yeah. know, and it's just like no, there's, you know, you read James, you know, James pr- pretty well emphasizes throughout his book this act of becoming holy, and like you know, this is that's I wanted to take some time to emphasize for our our church, like because we we harp on these these Pharisees, we talk about how bad of people they were, but they're really not that bad. And they're <laughs> comparable to us. You know, I talked about that some yesterday, but really like the whole, the whole thing I was trying to get at is just like, man, the change doesn't stop. Like if you are following Jesus, that's the whole, that, that is, that is the us underemphasizing the work of the Holy spirit. Then yeah, it's underemphasizing the role of scripture in our lives. Like, the Holy spirit's power and him dwelling in us, like the whole value of that is that he continues to transform, transform,
1: you know, he continues to convict. And I've, I've had people actually tell me people really can't change, you know, I mean, they, and there's kind of some cynicism about that, but you just look at people's life through time I mean, as we age, we change, you know, and not just physically, but uh, we change attitudes and perspectives and things like that. But there's a lot of cynicism about people can't really change. Yeah. Uh,
0: So I I thought
1: that was a good point.
0: I mean, yeah. And there's a lot there. I mean, obviously, there are things about us that I think maybe, maybe don't change. You know, there are things that make us unique. And,
1: yeah, you know, like lying. there's a reason
0: I'm me and you're you. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> for who? Uh, yeah. But, but, but anyway, like I, to think that like I haven't changed, you know, uh, it's good to be able to sit and take stock of that, like how and how yeah. much. Yeah. And like what's changing right now. Yeah. You know, how do I, how do I think I'm going to look different a year from now? You know, what, What? where is he
1: working in my life at the moment? And well, these testimonies we've <clears> heard, <throat> every one of them is, oh, they're a different person today than they were at one time. Sure. You know, so, uh,
0: well, and that's yeah. what I appreciated about Mindy's testimony yesterday Yeah. with this sermon specifically was the, the fact that she kind of pointed out that it's like, you know, there wasn't really like one event Right In her conversion experience or in her following Jesus story, but it was a series of things over a, you know, a certain period of time Mm -hmm. that all kind of played a role, a significant role in it. And so it took it, her conversion took place over time. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a, a, you know, road to Damascus type of, of thing. Mm. So anyway, yeah.
1: I'm going to talk about that next week a little bit. So little commercial for Nicodemus. I told Mark like, because
0: of these conversations now uh I'm probably going to be engaged in his sermon to a different level next week <laughs> uh or the you know next Sunday and I'm super looking forward to having this conversation Monday oh
1: you're gonna stay awake yeah good. yeah good Glad to hear it. okay uh I didn't get the exact quote but Warren Wiersbe you mentioned something and uh it's something about it's in reference to the blindness the blind metaphor you know the blind man actually sees, and these Pharisees or religious leaders are actually the blind ones. And, and whereas we said something about some think they have all the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, that jumped out at me. Um, and I also I've been reading a book that talked about intelligent the more intelligent you are the easier it is to self deceive yourself. Mm. And I thought, man that was kind of and these religious leaders are not dummies. I mean no. they're, they're they're intelligent to all that. But uh and because they were more intelligent, more religious, they didn't want to listen to this blind man. I mean yeah, they it all
0: plays together cuz the conversation we were just having like it almost feels like the sin, the great sin of the Pharisees, is they stopped changing. You know, like they they got to the place of, of arrogance, really yeah. in in religion that was just like we're we've arrived. They have a corner on the truth. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. so I'll, I'll read the quote you were talking about. So okay. the Weir'sby quote was. And this was from his commentary on, on John 9, and I just thought it was a good summary um, of that whole final conversation that, that Jesus is having with with the blind man after he returns, mm-hmm. kind of. And, you know, the Pharisees are still present. They kind of overhear, and yeah. they make themselves part of the conversation, too. But anyway, Wiersbe just said, the same son— That brings beauty out of the seeds also exposes the vermin hiding under the rocks. The religious leaders were blind and would not admit it. Therefore, the light of truth only made them blinder. The beggar admitted his need, and he received both physical sight and spiritual sight. No one is so blind as he who will not see the one who thinks he has all truth that's it yeah. and there is nothing more for him to learn
1: yeah i have down here not teachable mm. when we get to that point it's over mhm so yeah i know like probably the most
0: probably the most feedback i even get from people as a preacher it, i never have conversations with people about my sermons where they just go man you knocked it out of the park today. You are so smart. (laughs) You know, like it's never, it's never kind of one of those things where it's just like, Oh, your, your biblical knowledge is so that, you know, it's never that usually (laughs) it like when I, when people really engage a sermon or I feel like it's usually the conversation of like, man, I just really appreciated your heart. Or I really appreciated your transparency or, you know, like people and, and honestly, God, like value humility and this, this place of just like, man, I don't, I haven't figured it all out. I'm, I'm still on this journey and, you know, like there's. But the, it seems like that's Wearsby's just kind of pointing out that it's like, man, that's where the Pharisees were. They were kind of at this place that it was just like, yeah, we have though. We kind of have figured yeah. it out, and everybody else had like they talk down to this guy so much. Yeah, it's, it's in their conversation. Like, you know, and, and yeah. even in kicking him out, they're just like, how, you know, I love the the conversation in there where that I don't love it, but I mean, it's what they're talking down to. And they just say, you a sinner are going to teach us. Yep. Like, yeah, that was who so... do you think you are? Yeah. And it's like, man, if you ever get to the point that you're saying to someone, who do you think you are? You might, mu- you might want to take a step back and go, who am I? <laughs> you know? Um, cause that's, yeah. yeah,
1: I don't know. Well, I, my, uh, the most impactful professor in my life was Bob Lowry, who some of our listeners would know. And he said the number one principle of interpretation one number one principle of you know bible study is humility you mm. know and i've always remembered that and i've always had it in the back of my mind i may come to a conclusion but i always have it in the back of my mind i may be wrong you know in fact i'm pretty sure i probably am wrong on some of my yeah. theological understandings we all are
0: we you and i have talked about this before like i have friends in <laughs> ministry that i think um you know some of the difference between be, Between us at times, like I just, I've just always kind of had this mindset that like I reserve the right to change my mind. Yeah. Like that's my approach to the word. That's my approach to my
1: opinions
0: on things like I, I'm going to, this is where I'm, I'm at today. Yeah. But changed life. Yeah. Like I, this yeah. is may not be where I am a year from now, you know, but yeah, I have, fr- I have friends and I know other people that would say, no, I've made my mind up and you know, that will even kind of dig their heels in and say, yeah. this is where you need to be. And yeah. it's just like,
1: uh, careful. Cause <laughs> well, growth implies change. <clears throat> yeah. You know, when the baby's growing, they're changing. And if we're growing in Christ, we're going to change. And that includes changing our minds on some Mm -hmm. things. So uh, one other question I had is banished. He was banished from the synagogue. Mm -hmm. Sounded like a big deal. Could you expound on that a little bit more? It's That whole conversation, actually, the
0: the banishment from the synagogue is what makes his parents key characters in the story. You know, 'cause, cause otherwise they're just kind of, they're just kind of there. They're just a part of what's going on, you know? And, but really what, you know, they've, they've kind of been made the bad guys in this story. You know, I've heard, I've heard that approach to this text that like, man, these parents are so weak. Yeah. To just, to just go, you know what? We're not gonna, we're not gonna speak for our son. He's a grown man. You talk to him. And cause John puts that little, yeah he puts that little description in there that little indicator where he just says, you know that they feared the Jews for the yeah. Jews had already agreed if anyone would confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue yeah you know and so that was the that was a great fear and and really like I, in reading and pointing it out like I think it's a bigger conversation um when you think when you look at the purpose for John writing, and who he was writing to his gospel is so different from the other gospels yeah you got to remember the synoptics so Matthew Mark and Luke were written you within within a generation of Jesus dying yeah like 50 AD they're all within that yeah. first 50 years so they're pre they're they're writing to people who saw Jesus a new jesus. Mm-hmm. John is writing a generation later, really. You know, John's writing a good almost 35-40 years after the synoptics. And so John's writing to people who never saw Jesus, but they're actually being persecuted for their belief. And that that was kind of what was happening like the John's crowd were were they weren't being persecuted even by the Jews because they weren't Jews. Yeah, they were this yeah. offshoot, you know, who believed in the Messiah and they were being kicked out of their synagogues. And, and the big deal there is, and that's what's going on with this family and with the blind man, when you were kicked out of your synagogue, I mean, you've got to imagine it. I, I really, as a believer, the best, The I mean, it really is kind of the same thing. If you were kicked out of your church. Particularly, like, let's look at it in our context. Like you live in (laughs) Muigua and you get kicked out of your church. Like you're like blacklisted. Yeah. Yeah, Right. That's your community. Yeah. That's your, for me, getting kicked out of my church would be so devastating because the church in so many ways has become my family. Like for me to lose my spiritual family, to lose my seat in the church to lose my, you know, identity in that, like that, that would literally be devastating to me. And, and so I, that was a big, big, big deal. And, and it's more of the, like difficulty with the Pharisees there is it's just like, who, who are these guys that like, that's kind of what they're doing, you know, but, but you just have to remember like, man, they were, they weren't awful People they just they didn't have all, all of what we have. <laughs> That's all the knowledge we have
1: after the fact in hindsight. Uh, yeah, well, their motives were to protect the faith, mm-hmm. and Jesus was a threat to the faith, and uh, we would do the same thing today. Uh, so
0: my question with this whole story would be, you know, with some of the other ones we've said, like did they go on? We have we don't always have an indication with people that encountered Jesus did they leave this encounter a believer mm-hmm. we know that the blind man did like we're you know mm-hmm. yeah. his life is but my question with him is so did his parents stay yeah cuz he's out he doesn't say he's been kicked out yeah they did like so did they stay in their synagogue yeah. or did they support and follow their son like yeah and that's kind of what i indicated like this dude he didn't just lose his his church family he potentially lost his family yeah, to follow Jesus. Like he potentially walked away from his parents here, not on purpose, but they kind of walked away from him. Yeah. You know, like they, they may have sort of disowned him here to keep their seat in
1: their church. I, I don't know. And that's true today. People lost family because they committed to Christ in the world, you know? So anyway, that's, it was a great sermon. I thought, uh, I would encourage you to uh, to watch it if you weren't there, and yeah, looking forward to next Sunday.
0: Yeah, I'm lo- I'm loving the series. It is a good series, um, really good. And so next week we'll conclude it with Nicodemus. Very good.
1: All right, have a good week.